great to see you. It's a great morning. I love fall mornings, and I hope that we get two months more of them. Might not be a, a hope that God des- decides to fulfill, but I'll take it if he does. I'm Pat, and I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and we're in the middle of a series called When God Moves In, a little over the middle, actually, but I wanted to share a little announcement this morning. Last week, I wasn't here. I wasn't able to worship with you guys because I was uh, visiting our sister church that we actually helped to replant about 10-ish years ago in uh, Warren, Minnesota, and I was visiting their worship service because they're going through some transition that I thought I'd uh, inform you about. Um, In the last year, I took on a small role um, in our regional network of churches uh, helping to provide some pastoral coaching. And so this is kind of part of that role um, is going to visit and check in with um, our pastors on other churches on this kind of half of our region. And uh, the, the Warren Church is called Harvest Church. And um, some of you know them, some of them, some not them, marriage conferences or a marriage night out that we have annually. Oftentimes, members from that church will come down and join us, as well as Submerged Church, the other church plant from Fargo. Um, Eric and Jackie said goodbye last week to their co-pastor and son-in-law. Um, Luke Johnson uh, was Eric's co-pastor. He was also their worship leader. <clears throat> Luke's brother, Jordan, was the other worship leader, and they both families decided that God was leading them to move out of state, which leaves their smallish church, fairly small church, kind of figuring out how are we going to endure this transition over the last And so what they feel like God's led them to is to try um, to use video to help meet some of their needs so they can keep their church going and moving forward. And so they have this awesome video screen. It's pretty much the size of the wall from like the cross beams of the cross down to the floor. It's like 16 by 9 foot. And uh, they are using some uh, video teachings and worship from a sister church in hometown to fill the needs. Um, In the meantime, uh, God is still continuing to work in that church. They had new people come. I had to get to have lunch afterwards. And um, it's cool to hear a story like, yeah, that new family that came, you know, the husband said, hey, I want to join your men's Bible study that you're starting up. So God is still working. They transform, transformed a, kind of an upper balcony in their building. It's an old opera house that they are using for their church building. Some of you maybe have visited into like a teen area. So they have like teen discussions right after Sunday service on top of their regular stuff. And they are pretty excited about what's going on in the teen ministry. But I thought I'd just share a little update because some of you probably are interested. Some of you have been friends with the Berglunds or others who have joined their church and would love for you to continue praying for them. I'm sure they'd love to have worship leaders to be able to do live worship. Eric would love to have someone that could help continue to help um, uh, uh, up there as a co-pastor. So pray that God would lead them, that God would provide for them as they're continuing to pursue him in faith. Just a side note. Last week, uh, Seth Dorman shared the message on the dining room. I listened to that message, and here's my takeaway. It was a question. I'm glad that he used a question. I think in questions. I'm sure you've all picked up on that because I share lots of questions to think about. And the question that was my takeaway is this. Is Jesus at the head of the table in my pursuits and passions as I try to find satisfaction and fulfillment in life? And that's part of what I've been thinking about this week. Is Jesus at the head of the table? The head of the table is a seat of honor 
when I think about the dining room, what I used to fulfill, where I go to find fulfillment and satisfaction in life. This week, we're looking at the rec room. Probably you don't have a rec room in your house. We don't. Maybe you do. Um, It's sort of an old term because it comes from this little booklet that's the inspiration, My Heart, Christ's Home, uh, for this series. That was a a sermon written in the 50s that got published as a little booklet. The rec room represents our recreation. I will be referring it to referring it referring to recreation as re-creation, which is kind of a hint on the root of that word. Our fun, our hobbies, our play, our entertainment, as well as the people we do those things with, our friendships and our associations, who we spend our free time with, how we spend our free time when we invest in hobbies or entertainment or other activities or uh, sources of joy and pleasure in our free time, that Jesus actually desires and wants to be invited to be at home in that area of our life as well. You could say it's the fun you have and the people you have fun with, that Jesus wants to be invited into that. That's what we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to start by reading the introductory couple of paragraphs from this book, and then we'll dive in. Actually, I'm going to start with a personal story. So this is imagining as if Jesus were welcomed into your life. We're, we're encouraged to do this in the scriptures when, when Paul writes in Ephesians, a theme verse, Ephesians 3, that, that Christ would be at home in our hearts through faith. And what we're imagining is, is it's a literal home, that we're inviting Jesus room by room into literal rooms in the home of our life. So here's, here is uh, the rec room. I remember the time that he, Jesus, inquired about the rec room, where I went for fun and fellowship. I was hoping he would not ask me about that. There were certain associations and activities I wanted to keep for myself. I did not think Jesus would enjoy or approve of them, so I evaded the question. However, one evening when I was on my way out with some of my buddies for a night on the town, he was at the door and stopped me with a glance. You going out? I answered, yes. He said, good. I'd like to go with you. Oh, I replied awkwardly. I don't think, Lord, that you would really enjoy where we are going tonight. Let's go out together tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah, we can go to a Bible class or social at church, but tonight I have another engagement. As you wish, was his comment. Only I thought when I came into your home, we were going to do everything together, to be close companions. Just know that I am willing to go with you. Well, I said, uh, we'll go someplace together tomorrow night. That evening, I spent some miserable hours. I felt rotten. What kind of a friend was I to Jesus? Deliberately having left him out of part of my life, doing things and going places that I knew very well he would not enjoy. When I returned that evening, there was a light in his room, and I went up to talk it over with him. I acknowledged, Lord, I have learned my lesson. I know now I 
can't really have a good time if you are not along. From now on, we will do everything together. Then we went down together into the rec room of the house. He transformed it. He brought new friendships, new excitement, new joys, laughter, and music have been ringing in the house ever since. With a twinkle in his eye, he smiled. You thought that with me around, you wouldn't have much fun, did you? Remember, I have come that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It's from John 15, 11. Uh, we live on a small acreage out in the country, and one of the things that we do for recreation in the summers is we swim. Uh, I, you, you could have sort of swum in the creek that's on our property, but it would have been more like swimming in slime this year. It was very green and very shallow. And so we have a little pool, uh, a pool that we have put up, uh, one of those above-ground pools. Uh, a couple of them we've gone through. This one that we have right now, I have a picture of it, I think, uh, was given to us. It was a little leaky when we got it. Um, and then we stored it in our barn, which had worked over the years, because we have barn cats that take really good care of mice, but somehow they didn't take care of mice winter, and the mice chewed a hole in it, about this big, one, pot, one spot, this big. I'm going to tell you, now I sold, I don't know how many, I didn't get any commissions yet, I should have set up an Amazon store, but I know that I sold quite a few win, or, uh, headlight replacement kits two weeks ago, and, I, and it made me think I need to start an Amazon business so I can refer you and you guys can, no, I'm just kidding. Gorilla tape is the next thing you need to buy, okay? Gorilla tape, which is like 10 times better than duct tape. I mean, ducks quack. Gorillas like mall stuff, okay? Gorilla tape is way better than duct tape. I don't even buy duct tape hardly anymore. Gorilla tape will fix a hole in your pool this big so you can use it for at least two more seasons. Personal testimony, Gorilla tape, if you're watching, I will PM, DM me, and I'll give you my address. You can send me a check. <coughs> but really... The pool held up. Now, I'll be honest with you, it leaked a little. This pool that we enjoyed over the summer is a little picture of our lives. And let me tell you how. One is, we have a capacity. You could fill that pool, and I could turn the hose on. It takes actually like a day and a half for us to fill that thing. Um, leave it overnight, it keeps going. We have not very good water pressure. It's one of the downsides from where we live. So we fill the pool, it runs and runs and runs and runs. We could have kept that running all summer and it would have just been overflowing, right? It would have been a mess. We'd have mud everywhere. But guys, we have limited capacities. We, we really can only hold so much stuff. I'm just going to call it life, okay? We have a life capacity. And here's the other part about this pool. As you can see the picture up there, if you put the second one up there, that's one of my patches. It's not the biggest one. The biggest one is to the, down that way, whichever direction it is for you. I always get my directions mixed up up here. But it leaked a little. It wasn't pouring out. Um, it wasn't enough to like, have to like constantly fill it. But probably every month-ish or so, we'd have to add some water to the pool, a few inches, in order so that the filtration system would work and it wouldn't turn green and all that stuff. And that's kind of like us too, guys. We have a capacity, and 
it doesn't just stay full. Stuff goes out. Sometimes we pour out on purpose. I'm using what God's given me, the life God's given me, to pour out into someone else, but it leaves me a little with a little left, little less left. Other times, honest, things are draining or leaking out of us, and we wouldn't choose it, but we also don't have control about all of our life situations, our relationships, the things that we... Life is actually sort of draining or leaking out of us. And that's not to say that's all bad. Sometimes it is, as we're going to talk about. But it's just is. That's us. We have a capacity, and we need to be refilled or else we won't be full. Ultimately, with life, like this pool, stuff comes out. And sometimes it's through good things. School is good. Education is good, but it requires some life. Students, am I right? Does it drain a little bit out of you to have to go to school, take tests? If you've done school of any kind, you know it does. Work is good. It can be a source of actually life coming in, but it also sometimes takes life out. Friendships are the same. All easy, all the time. Your relationships, marriage is the same. We have some married people here. Marriage can pour in, and guess what? it can also drain out because it's not always easy. It's hard. Children are the same way. They can pour life in. They can require life out of us, even good things. All kinds of good things are like that. Our hobbies can be the same way. Our church involvement can be the same way. Everything in life can be similar. It can give us life, but it can also take life out. And actually, it's supposed to be that way. If there weren't a flow of water, do you know what happens in an area of geography where water can end up in a basin, but there's no outflow that, and there's not enough regular inflow, it becomes like the Dead Sea. And it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. Life does not thrive in the Dead Sea. It gets concentrated. All the, all the minerals are concentrated there so much that life can't thrive there. We're actually intended not to become stagnant like the Dead Sea, but have stuff coming in and stuff life going out. Here's my sermon in a sentence this morning. God designed us with a limited life capacity. He started that way. He gave us limits from the very beginning. And he wants to renew and refill that limit through rhythms of work and rest, productivity and play, labor and delight, pouring out and being poured into activity and inactivity. You could say it a lot of different ways. But let me say my sermon and sentence one more time. God designed us with a limited life capacity that he wants to renew and refill through rhythms of work and rest, productivity and play, labor and delight. Let's look at the word recreation. We're looking at the rec room. Recreation, as I've said, you can say it differently. You can pronounce it re-creation. Do it again. Creation again. Created again. Guys, we need to be recreated in order to be filled and refreshed and able to continue pouring out with life. Now, I don't get my theology from Wikipedia, generally, but 
I looked up recreation and I saw the definition for recreation, recreation in Wikipedia, and I actually think Wikipedia has a bit of theology here, probably on accident, but they do have some good theology on this point. Recreation is an activity of leisure, Wikipedia says. Leisure being discretionary time. The need to do something for recreation, and here's the theology, is an essential element of human biology and psychology. Essential element of human biology and psychology. In other words, it's essential to your life, the health of your physical body, and your mental well-being, psychology. Recreational activities are often done for enjoyment, amusement, and pleasure, and are considered to be fun. I actually think Wikipedia got that, without knowing it, from the Bible. And I'll show you where. Genesis 1.31. We're going to look at Genesis, the last verse of Genesis 1, and we're going to look at the first three verses of Genesis 2. This is the very beginning, that it's an essential element of human biology. Genesis 1.31 says this, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came and then morning, the sixth day. And that is just a summary account of the six days that God worked. He created everything that exists, the whole universe, and how it works together was a big job, really big job. The universe is really big. Have you seen one of those diagrams that show you how big the universe is? remember seeing one, and I was the known universe, actually, even, because I don't really know how big it is. It was a big job. It was a lot of work. And I want to say three choices that we can make that will help Jesus to be at home in our recreation. And the first one found in that verse is this, that believe, we can choose to believe that God only makes good things. He has only and will ever only make good things. Everything that God made was very good indeed. It was an very good. It was clearly really, really awesome. And here's the corollary to that. He actually wants us to enjoy them. He created all these good things, and he wants us to enjoy them. Here's how it was. Solomon said it in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It is also the gift of God, the gift of God, whenever anyone eats, drinks, and enjoys all his efforts. That's, there's work in there, there's enjoyment, there's recreation in there. I know that everything God does will last for. There is no adding or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of him. And as we're going to learn in Genesis 2, he created good things, he created them for us to enjoy them, but he also designed a way for us to enjoy the good things that he's created that is equally good. So we're going to look at in Genesis chapter 2. Let's move on there. Genesis 2, 1 and 2 says this, So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed, done, finished, made. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now, this will take a little explaining, but here's the second choice that we have to make. It's to embrace our God-given God did not need to rest. God is limitless. God chose to rest. 
When we were made as people, earlier in Genesis, it says that we were made in his image. And I believe that the reason why he chose to rest is a model for us. That how he created the universe is intended to be in a rhythm of work and activity and rest and delight. We're going to see a little bit more of that in the next verse of Scripture. But we've got to embrace limits. There was, an, an involved in that verse there, you can say, there was a day and there was a night every day, over and over. There's a right now we're going through a transition of seasons. The seasons that we have here, our seasons are messed up. We don't get like four equal ones. We get like one really big one and one sort of mediumish one and two really short ones, okay? But that rhythm actually is rest. You know part of the reason why we have such productive land up here? It's because of the really long rest that the ground gets over the winter and all of the life giving potential of that soil is not going to anything. When you live farther south, you have to add more to the soil to get the kind of productivity we have up here. So farmers, thank God for a long winter. Like, I'm serious. Thank the Lord. It's a reason to worship him. The long winter actually gives us productive soil here. It's part of the reason. God rested. I just have a question for you. Do you? Like, really? Rest? How, how, does, how, does that, how does the rest area of your life going? I'll just say this. I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I think I might have got out of kindergarten in the last two years on the rest school. I might be in about first grade, maybe the first quarter of first grade. I think maybe that's where I'm at. But when you take a day off, is there rest in it? Or is it all work of another kind? We were made with limits. Uh, we were made with limits to our knowledge. Adam and Eve did not have unlimited knowledge. Adam and Eve did not have unlimited presence. They were not omnipresent. Now, Adam and Eve, I think, were created to live forever. They weren't totally limited. But they had some limits. Day and night, six days of creating and working, one day of recreating and resting. Ecclesiastes 3.11, which is the verse right before the passage I read, says this. God has put, that's who's being spoken of, eternity in their hearts, in the hearts of men. No one can discover the work of God, but no one can discover the work of God that God has done from beginning to end. So we have eternity in your hearts. We actually were created to be unlimited in one way, and that is the length of our life. But there's a limit in there too. Do you see it? But no one can be as unlimited as God has. Will you embrace your limits? Will you embrace your limits? I think God's asking us that. One of the reasons why we don't get recreated in our recreation is because we are not embracing our limits. I think it's true in America in particular that this is very common for how we do life. We worship our work. You've heard this. We work at our play, and we play at worship. It's oftentimes the way it goes. We put a lot of effort. It would say, by the time I put into my work, you could probably say I worship it. When I'm playing, I need relief from how much I put into my work. I need to work really hard to make sure I play really hard. But when it comes to a worship, I kind of play at it. And actually, I think if we embrace our limits, we are set free to work at our work to play at our play and to worship 
at our worship, as God designed us to. As I mentioned, I'm in first grade in the rest school, and one of my, I think, graduations from kindergarten to first grade for us is that we have decided to practice something. And when I say practice, that means like when you practice something, you're still learning. I've said this before. We're learning to practice what the Bible calls the Sabbath. That's the Bible word for that seventh day of rest Exodus called the Sabbath. And so we do that regularly from Friday night to Saturday night. It's typically when Andre and I and our younger kids, and we invite our older kids to join us if they are able to or want to, and we sit down together for sure on Friday night to a meal almost every Friday. We slow down. Saturday is a very restful day. We don't do unpaid-for work. It is not a work day. It used to be a work day. It's not a work day for us. We slow down. Uh, we try to get outside if we can. We, a big word is delight. What would delight you today? We try to, now look, we're not perfect. We're still working all this stuff out. But that has been for us one way that we've embraced our God-given limits. And you know what? I'm not that far behind on my list of chores. We find other places to do it, and we're not too far behind. And we're getting some of that other stuff done. Oh, not as much as I hope to sometimes, but we get it there. First of all, believe that God only makes good things. Secondly, embrace our God-given limits. And thirdly, here's verse 3 of Genesis 2. It says this, God blessed the seventh day. He blessed it, uniquely blessed the seventh day. It's not said about day one through six. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. So he blessed it gave a special blessing on it, said, my goodness, I'm going to bless it in a unique way, and I'm setting it apart as holy to me, and here's why, for or because on it he rested. So God rested, and he said, because I rested, I'm going to bless it, and I'm going to call it holy, for on it he rested from all his work in creation. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. God has said that rest a day of rest is something I will bless and call holy. And he invites us, calls us to do the same. Here's the third choice we can make. Believe that God only makes good things. Embrace our God-given limits. And thirdly, get replenished as God designed. He designed a whole day to replenish you and I. It's kind of his design. He put that rhythm in. And actually, you know this. You know that if you work seven days a week, week after week, you can get away with it for a while, whether it's your paid work or your paid slash unpaid work. But if you don't get a day of rest, you break down or you end up in the hospital or you blow up at your friends or family or you make some really drastic, impulsive decision or you go somewhere you know you shouldn't to find some kind of relief that actually takes more life out of you than gives it into you, but you think it might give you a little bit of life back, but it won't. It's because God has designed us with a limit, and he's designed us with a way to get replenished. God himself intends, he calls it blessed, he's going to bless it. He calls it holy, he calls it holy. He actually intends to be your source of life. He wants to be the one that's replenishing and refilling you. He wanted to be the one to replenish and refill Adam and Eve. And he said, guys, here's the garden. It's awesome, 
but I have a design for how to give, it's going to give you life. If you follow it, you'll find it. If you don't, you'll find the opposite of it, which is death. You guys remember that pool that we swim in? My family swims in. Actually, that pool's gone. We need to get a new one. Um, we decided it was time. <clears throat> we have this limited capacity, and we need something coming in. What pours into you? What has God in the past, just think about it, what has God in the past used to pour life into you? It can be all kinds of things. It can be things like spending time in the Word. You know, in this little story, you know, when he says, tomorrow we'll do a Bible study or go to church. Like, those things can pour life into us. But Jesus actually wants to pour life into us through all of life. He, there's some things, here, here's one thing that pours into me, okay? Um, I have a friend here at church, and uh, he has a kayak that he didn't have a place to store, and he asked, could he store it at my place? And I said, sure, we have a canoe and a kayak, and we throw it up in the barn rafters in the winters, and you have plenty of room. Um, and he said, yeah, feel free to use it if you want to. So two weeks ago, I did. Um, it was a Monday. I had taken the day off, most of the day. I had a couple hours of work I needed to do. Um, and I had taken the day off, and my family, I found out later in the afternoon, was all going to be busy, like from 4 o'clock till a late supper, like 7 or so. And I had some projects I could do, but I looked at that kayak that I've been looking at in, for a couple of weeks or months, and I thought, it'd be kind of fun to take that out. So I just said, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do, do that. You guys have fun doing they have classes and practices and all this stuff. I'm going to take the kayak out. So I did. It was like two hours, maybe-ish, two and a half took this kayak out and on the 26th of September. It was like one of those golden fall afternoons. You were there because you live here and I live here and we live in the same place. You just probably don't remember it. But it was, the sun was getting low in the sky. There's all these ducks and geese on this pond that I go to. I do a little fishing, catch a few northern pike. Um, and... Um, it was calm. I barely had to paddle. I just kind of like drifted my way across over here, and then I paddled over here, and then I kind of paddled my way back, and I got where I wanted to fish, and I looked at the watch. I'm like, oh, man, it's only this time, and I got plenty of time, and I headed home and got off the water before my family got home and met them at home for supper, and I had life come into me. That might not do it for you. It might have been totally stressful for you. <laughs> I'm not sure. You don't have to be a kayak or a fisherman or into being in the outdoors. But for me, that is something that God has used historically to pour life in. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I've also used that uh, out of balance. I've spent way too much time at times in the past doing that. And afterward, because I spent too much time fishing, or say that, I've actually felt like life has come out of me because I know that I'm using it in an out-of-balance way. You can do that with anything. Anything. Any of God's good gift, we can use it in that way. But the point is this. God actually wants to be the source of pouring life into you. He said, Jesus himself said this in John 7. Let's look at it. John 7, 37 through 38, Jesus stood up and he cried out, it says, in a loud voice in a public setting. This is during one of the major festivals. If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, and I'm shouting because he shouted, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water from deep within him. 
a source of life from deep within you. That's what Jesus wants to be for you. Through prayer and Bible study, but not just that, through all of life. Okay, if I'm not convincing you that, let's look at Mark 6.31. Mark 6.31, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples, and he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many pe- have you, you've had days like this. Have you had days like this? Many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Have you, had, have you been so busy you don't have time to grab lunch or supper or breakfast or all three? The disciples had that. And Jesus said, guys, come on. Let's go somewhere else. You need some life. I want to give it to you. I want to replenish you with it. He invites you and I to be replenished by him, to be recreated with him and through him. By enjoying the good things he's created in the way he's designed them to be created. And there's the warning in Genesis. If you look at Genesis 2 and 3, you can look at it yourself. God had made this awesome place. And in the universe, he created a specifically awesome garden called Garden of Eden. And even now, we use Eden as a metaphorical allusion all over the place for like the perfect everything. That's what they literally had. And God said, Enjoy it all. Eat from this. Make it better. He gave him purpose. And he said, but here's one limit. There's this tree. I don't want you to eat the fruit. You can look at it. You can enjoy it. And everything else out here, you enjoy it. But here's one limit, an extra limit. And you do that and you'll have life. Actually, in this instance, they would have had life forever, I believe. But they decided that they wanted to get life for themselves their own way. God had created the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and it was good as long as it was used in a good way. God designed a use for it, and the use did not include eating the fruit. But they decided, I'm going to eat the fruit. And you know what's happened to it. If you know the Bible, you know that what happened is instead of getting life, they got death. Guys, that, we can do the same thing with our recreational pursuits. God creates good things, And he creates a good way to enjoy them, and we can choose to eat them, consume them, use them, in a way that gives death, right? Anything can be used that way. Here's a way that getting replenished God's design and God's design, it means this. One of them means with our associations, being aware of our potential to be influenced, to think or become like people who don't embrace God. God's values, God's good things, God's limits. We all have potential for that, right? doesn't mean don't be around anyone. For sure not. That might not have God's perspective, but make sure you're aware of your potential to be influenced. Another way is to make sure that our recreation is actually recreating us. Is it something that's actually giving and pouring life in, or is it draining, destroying, or leaking life out? We can get it wrong sometimes. So here's my sermon in a sentence as a review. God designed us with a limited life capacity that he wants to renew and refill through rhythms of work and rest, productivity and play, labor and delight. So here's my application for you to think about. Is God prompting you to say yes to something that will replenish and recreate you? 
Is there something that you have thought of even as you sat here today listening to God's word being talked about that would replenish and recreate you? Maybe it's saying yes to more rest and less busyness on your day off. Or saying yes to less on the schedule. Or saying yes to I'm going to lean into my limits. Or saying yes to an activity or something I haven't done in a long time that I know gives me life. Actually, we got these fusion cards that came uh, uh, in the mail this last week, and I was like, this is the perfect week to hand these out. This conference is in the Wisconsin Dells. It's a great time. We, uh, if you stay at the same resort, the Kalahari, you'll stay at this place. There's awesome water slide park. It's really fun for the kids. And built into it for the whole family is eight specific ways to engage in worship and learning in your walk with the Lord, all ages. It's a great way, great vacation. That could be something you want to consider. Secondly, is God prompting you to say no to something that's draining life out of you or destroying life in you? Probably you would know what that is. Could be that you're being influenced in a, in a way that is away from God through something or someone that you're doing your, your recreation with, or maybe it's just an entertainment or a pleasure that you know is twisted and is draining life or destroying life in you. Does God want you to say no to something that is we're going to sing this song, band, you can come on up. And it's called Battle Belongs. And here's the tie-in to the message, is that the battle really does belong to the Lord in this. As you think through what might God want me to say yes to or what might God want me to say no to, the yes that you might need to say yes will have to be empowered by God. The no that you might have to say no will have to be empowered to God, by God if it's going to last. And that's why in the chorus we'll sing, when I fight, I fight on my knees. That's a symbol of I'm not in control. I'm, it's, a, it's, a, it's a posture of prayer. God, I need you in order to say yes or no to whatever you're calling me to say yes or no to. With my hands lifted high, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at my feet, I might be afraid to say yes or no to something you're calling me to. I'm going to lay that fear down, God, and declare that you are the source of victory. The battle belongs to you. And I'll pray, and then we'll sing this closing song together. Jesus, thank you that you are the one that has all the power. Thanks that you are willing to be with us in every area of life, including this area of recreation, our fun, our friendships, our entertainment, our hobbies, the things we, we, we enjoy in life. Thanks that you created the world full of good things. Thanks that you have a great design for how to enjoy them. Help us to say yes to what you've called us to say yes to, to fill us with life, the way you design us to be filled with life, and to say no to things that are unnecessarily draining life out or destroying life in us. We invite you, Jesus, to make yourself at home in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.